This is the Dover Download Podcast. My name is Christopher Parker, and for the past 25 years, I've had the pleasure of working with, learning from, and talking to a variety of volunteer, staff, and community members. This podcast explores conversations, activities, and a variety of policies and programs which exist here in Dover to improve the community in one way or another. One of the big areas that people face, and the city is not immune to this, is needing to have a professional and coordinated human resources program. The city of Dover has been lucky enough over the years to have really qualified and energetic folks in that role leading that department. We're going to meet today with Heather Worrell, who's our new human resources director here with the city. Heather, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk to you about me and my experience. Great. Let's start off with that. What uh, what can the listeners learn about you and in your elevator speech? I most recently was the human resources director for the city of Amesbury. I was there for about three years. Previously to that, I was in the private sector for about five years. I was a human resources manager of a skilled nursing facility, and I'm also a, a Dover resident. I, I love Dover. I've been here for about five years and a native to New Hampshire, so I'm Super excited to be part of the city, uh, not just as a resident, but also as uh, the human resources director and help, you know, make improvements and, you know, be a part of the city that I love to, to live in. What attracted you to the field to begin with when you were in the private sector? I started off as a recruiter right out of college. So I was staffing for doctors and nurses uh, part-time for people that might go out on a a maternity leave or out for an illness. And I found that I was very good at that in the sense that I was good at communicating with people and understanding what the businesses needed for a, a staffing person in that field. And I kind of just ran with it and started learning as I went. Um, this isn't something I went to college for, so I have a lot of on-the-job experience. And I've tried to learn as much as I can as as I grow up and into, the, into this field. So it really started with recruiting, which is kind of uh, intuitive to what we're speaking about today, I think. Along that lines, you were recruited. You went through the recruitment process. Mm -hmm. As someone who has just recently been onboarded, how does that implicate what you see our onboarding process is like? And does it give you a a sense of where we can make some changes or things of that nature? Or do you think that's the best recruiting process that we've ever had and I might as well stick with it? You know, I, I didn't have any reservations going through the recruiting process when we did it for me. I am a manager here, so it's obviously would look different for entry-level positions. Yeah. But no, the, our, our recruitment process, at least in, in my sense, it made me more excited to, to be here and work here. And I was through the roof when I got the call that I, I got the job. I think uh, you probably remember me saying in my interview that this was my dream job. I feel like I'm, I've made it. That hasn't left me, so I still feel that way. That is good to hear. And and yeah, for the listener, I was on the panel that interviewed and ultimately suggested the manager that Heather be considered for the role. And stand by your enthusiasm then and, and the enthusiasm I've seen over the past couple of months has been exactly in line with where we hoped this position would grow. Well, thank you so much. That's that's great to hear. Walking us through HR, you know, on the one hand, it could be processing payroll and listening to, to gripes and uh, promulgating rules about how short my skirt can be. But it also is is much more involved 
from an education standpoint, from a outreach standpoint, where do you see the role really focusing and what skills do you hope to build in your role? I hear this question all the time. What does you do human resources? What does that mean? And my response is always depends on the day. We're going into negotiations for our new contracts. You know, my labor hat will be on for a while. The next the next month, it could be benefits that I'm really focusing on. And, you know, whether that's health benefits or any ancillary benefits that we can get for our employees and any future employees. It could be me analyzing liability that we have for our throughout our departments and if there's any room to button that up. So I think it changes on the day. And, you know, at this position, you have to be able to multitask and jump from one thing to the next. So I, I try to pride myself in being efficient at that. There's always room for improvement in human resources, but any community in general. So I hope that as I continue to learn about Dover's human resources processes, I can begin to, to pinpoint things that can help our employees and, and help the city in, in a liability sense going forward. So one of, one of my roles is to provide some guidance to the other managers, other, other uh, senior leadership. And one of the ones that I always tell new department heads is there are three people you listen to, HR, the city attorney, and that purchasing agent, because all three have rules that they are going to advise you to stay within, and they are rules that you want to stay within to protect the city, protect yourself, and to protect the community, that they're not willy-nilly saying you need to go through this process because they want to make your life painful, but because there are rules and regulations that we have to follow as a community and as an employer, and that you are watching out for us in that role. Yes, definitely. I always look at my job with two lenses, per se. One is how can we help the administration and the community and city council button up what's best for the city in an administrative standpoint? And then the other point is how can I look after our employees and prospective employees and be their advocate when when I need to be. So it's kind of juggling those those two roles the best I can to do what's best for both the administration and its employees. So you, you talked about or mentioned prospective employees. And I'm really curious your thoughts on, uh, on an interesting scenario we're in right now. We have had nationally about 23, 24 months of sub 4% unemployment. Locally, We've only been above 2.5% unemployment in Dover once in the past two years. So we are at a, at a real breaking point of not being able to find employees, not just the city, but uh, employers in general in this area. What can we do? What do you think are ways to try to attract people, try to break that logjam because there's so many opportunities when the employers are out there looking. We, we have a lot of competition, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Do you have any thoughts on how we break that, how we stay above that? Yeah, um, I, that's a loaded question because I would love to sit here and say this is we should do X, Y, and Z, and that's going to solve our problem. But that's just not the case. You, you had mentioned that it's it's this area, but it's also everywhere yeah. that there are labor severe labor shortages, and mm -hmm. here we're seeing it across the board, but primarily in our public safety employees and our our community service entry level positions. 
Is there an easy answer to how do we solve this issue? No, but hiring managers and myself and leaders of the city need to start looking at recruitment and and retention differently than we have in the past. You know, I'm new here, but I've been hearing from the public sector that um, before you could just post the job on our city website, you would get 10 qualified applicants and you'd find somebody and you wouldn't have to do any other work. You wouldn't have to be a recruiter. You, right. you could just post it and you'd get the applicants. That's just not enough anymore. So we need to be those recruiters and post the positions in multiple different areas, have those outreach with colleges and high schools and surrounding communities even, or do internships and be more strategic with our recruiting and also make some trade-offs that we might have not done before. Like, for instance, before you might have saying, absolutely, this job needs a degree, no matter what. It's important to really pinpoint those positions and say, do you really need a degree in that position or will experience be enough? What's the underlying skill or characteristic you're trying to make sure that person has? Depends on the job, right? right? And it's you know, I'll give my job, for example. I, I did go to college and I, I have a bachelor's degree, but not in this field. Mm-hmm. So is that bachelor's degree really needed for my position? Or is my eight years experience a trade-off for not having that degree? And that's true with, I think, across the board when we're looking at degrees and licensure for positions and having to kind of maybe take back some requirements to give people a chance who really want a position and want to want to thrive someplace. Well, here. I, I think to your point, we need to be realistic and reasonable in our expectations and that in the past, expectations might have been different than what reality allows them to be now. And we have to right-size our expectations and evaluate the positions and say, what happens if this person can do X and Y, but instead of the backup being a four-year degree plus a postgraduate plus a this, that, and the other thing, instead of doing that, they have eight years of actually hands-on progressive development. And where is that uh, flexibility? And, and to your point, I think it's one of the things I appreciate about here is that we are nimble like that. And, and I think we're open to having those conversations and recognizing that the best person for the job might not be on paper, but that's why we interview and that's why we have background checks and things of that nature. Right. It's really communicating to those department heads who are who are hiring that they need to start to learn to be good recruiters and think outside the box when it comes to, you know, you're not going to get that absolutely perfect candidate tied in a bow like maybe you used to, but how can we work with this employee who seems really energetic or mm-hmm. prospective employee who seems really energetic and you can tell really wants the job or has a skill set that you want and um, how can we work with them to, to make them successful? And in my mind, to riff off that, there's also a need to recognize that we're always recruiting in the sense that our demeanor in public and in interactions with the customers, a customer might be tomorrow's employee. Yeah, you have good interactions with people when they come to the counter, when you reach out to them on the street, et cetera. That person might be the type of person that said, I had a great relationship interaction with that person. I'd like to work with them. I'd like to, I, I could bring my skill set and they see a job posting. So just like we always want to be good emissaries for the community in general, we need to recognize that people that could work for us could be those customers too. Absolutely. And 
That is why we have recently started thinking about things like a referral bonus for our current employees. That's not in place yet, but something that we're looking at to get our current employees buy-in on the candidates that are coming in. Hopefully, or the goal is, if we put something like that in place, our employees aren't just going to refer anybody. They will refer people who they believe are going to come in and do the job. And that's just another example of the ways that we'll have to be creative. And and as you said, think about the people within our own community that can that can do these jobs. And that's the I- ideal, because if you live here, you, you want to improve it. Right. Um, and you want to do good work. And you, you know, you don't want to be a bad employee and then run into right. everybody that you work with on the street. Right. So uh, that's the goal. The uh, the other thing I think that it's interesting on the creativity side is one thing that we have to keep in mind is that at our base, no matter what department or service area you fall under, we are a customer service organization. And so unlike other organizations that might have some hybrid flexibility or some work from home. I work in an office, but it's not the same as working in an office for a company that's processing data or analyzing. I can't work from home. I need to be available to the customer. And so my impression is that the workplace culture might not be as flexible as some of the the workforce that we want to be attracting might want or might be used to, especially post-pandemic. And so that's one of those things I think we have to continue to keep in mind is, while we can't offer that, here's what we can offer. Here's how we can be supportive. Yeah, absolutely. A good point in in what you just said is, yeah, we might not have the flexibility from that to work from home, but we also have something that the private sector, a lot of the private sector doesn't have. And that's the fact that we have the opportunity to make a difference in our community mm-hmm. and call ourselves public servants. And that can be rewarding in the sense that, you know, the private sector might might not be. And we have a lot of things that are great for applicants coming in. One thing that I always like to sell to, to people is us especially, but the public sector in general has benefits that the private right. sector does not have. Right. We we have better health and dental insurance than you're going to get outside of the private sector. Here in Dover, we have a retirement match, a 457 match. That That's something that is, is a great benefit to prospective employees. We pay into New Hampshire retirement, which is, you know, a pension plan. That's something that you wouldn't get in, in the private sector. And on top of that, we also have great time off benefits, mm-hmm. vacation and all you know, paid holidays. Um, so that's something we try to really nail down and sell to these prospective candidates right. that might come in that say, you know, are we going to be the top pair in Dover or or in your field? Probably not. We have finite resources here and we have a, a budget and taxpayers that we have to think of. So we're never going to be number one when mm-hmm. it comes to compensation. But what I think we are number one in is our benefits and how we can communicate that with prospective applicants is really important. Absolutely. I think total compensation is is the frame of reference as opposed to just salary compensation. And you're right to combine the benefits and to think about them from that perspective. I know um, over the years, I've talked to folks that will say, oh, well, I get X, Y, and Z. And then when you actually do apples to apples and you recognize that we don't do paid time off, that it's not a cumulative uh, holiday, vacation, all in one, and sick all in one bucket, but they're individual allocations that in some cases grow with you as, as you're here. Uh, that's a, a particular benefit that is unique. 
I agree with you, though, that the pension, the, the retirement system benefit is probably the most striking difference between the private sector. Absolutely. And the public sector. Yep. What do you see as some interesting workplace opportunities with a younger generation of workforce, with a a, a future thought in mind? Like, how do you see the workforce growing in general? Maybe not just for for the city, but in general, where do you see the public sector workforce going? To be blunt, you're 20 years younger than me, and I'm curious, what do you want in a workplace? What do you think that your peers, how do we continue to attract you? How do we continue to attract uh, young, intelligent, hardworking folks that are going to make this community a better place for me in my retirement? Yeah. It's I, all about me. <laughs> um, as a, as a HR you know, leader of this the city, I, my goal is to find people who want to make a career here. So how can we sell that as that that's the case? Mm-hmm. And if you're looking, um, I'll, I'll use our community services as an example. We have many entry-level positions open, but there's also a substantial room for growth within, you know, many departments. But yeah. community services in general have so many positions, so many levels of management that if somebody wants and is motivated to have a career here in Dover, and start from the bottom and work their way up. The opportunities are there, and you know we are very forward-thinking. Or like the fact that if employees want to get licenses and get professional development, we're all on board right. for that. So that's something to sell. Maybe you know the new grads that are coming out of school, or even high school students that might not want to go to college right away, to say, you know, come work here. We can give you a career path yeah. up, up, you know, work up the chain. And, and the same with police and fire, you know, you can start here and, and, and work up, work up the chain. And um, that I, I hope would be a great sell to prospective employees that might not know exactly where they want to go and they're not settled in their career yet. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would tell people, you know, you, you have to start somewhere and we will give you the resources and the training and the opportunities to get there if you want it. You can start as a library page and end up as the deputy city manager. Is that you? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's a great story. Uh, uh, granted, I went to college in the middle there, but yeah. Yeah, in high school, I, I put away books in the library. It's where I met my wife. That's great. That's a great story. Yeah. Should have led with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the interesting thing, and I think the the background to what you were saying, the, the support to that is one of the things I think we excel at, which is an intangible benefit, is we push people to seek out education opportunities, whether they are professional development or hands-on, and encourage people to take initiative and look for ways to create opportunity within their roles. And as you say, that can lead to some lateral changes and it can lead to some horizontal changes. But I think there's there's a lot to what you were saying about you get your foot in the door and you figure out a path and then I haven't once seen a department head say, no, that's not, that's not a good path for you. Right, absolutely. Yeah, they provided feedback through the review process, through mentoring to say, you want to move up? Here's what I need you to be doing. Here's what I need you to be working on. And here's how we're going to help you do that. Right. And, I, and I think that uh, it was taught to me early on by a department head who's no longer here that it's better to encourage the employees to better themselves, even if they end up leaving, that at least while they were here, 
they were providing a, a added bonus and benefit to the community and to the organization. Absolutely. So anyone that feels that they're being held back isn't going to want to support the mission. Yeah. And you've never heard a manager say, I'm disappointed, but this person wants to do more right. and, re- and lead more and get more training. You know, we want that. So if you're that person, this is the place for you. Because like I just said, we 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 do push professional development and training and um, we'll get you where you need to be if you have the skills and you, you have the motivation to do it. Yeah. And sometimes that's hard to find to, to uh, have those people that, that are motivated to want to increase their career. And yeah. that's you. Come work for Dover. <laughs> so what is, what's your path here? What do you want to continue to work on and, and work towards while you're here? That's a great question. Um, I'm just getting my feet wet. So my goals uh, are maybe minimal compared to what they might be in a couple of years. And that's learn Dover, learn the Dover way and understand our labor relations uh, inside and out. So I I need to be the expert in that category and uh, learn what the pitfalls might be in terms of liability and try to really uh, streamline the processes within the HR department because HR, as you know, it affects every department. And our, if our processes are tightened up and streamlined, it will have a positive effect on all departments of the city. You know, we're kind of a central department in that way that we reach and touch everyone because we're for the personnel. Everyone has personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, so my goals would be to Right off the beginning, like I said, be a, be an expert in labor negotiations, but also um, see where the pitfalls might be in our processes and and in terms of liability, and and try to uh, straighten those out before um, I try to make any overarching changes. Cool. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. I appreciate the enthusiasm you have for your role. As I said earlier, it was clear to me in the interview process that you were the future for us. And I I have seen that in the past couple of months and I look forward to the next couple of years seeing that as well. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Dover has a wealth of history in its over 400 years of existence. Coming up, Mike Gillis is going to share some of that history with us. If you enjoy or participate in winter sports, Dover certainly has plenty to offer. Hockey and ice skating, the Dover Ice Arena has you covered. When there's enough snow, you can sled at Garrison Hill Park. And for those who want to brave the elements, Willen Pond offers a place for pond hockey, skating, or ice fishing. The foundation for many of the winter sports options now available was set more than 100 years ago. This week in 1923, the Dover Chamber of Commerce, formed just three years earlier, hosted a meeting to discuss how to expand winter sports in the city. The meeting, which had previously been postponed due to several snowstorms, was intended to continue a conversation about whether Dover should have a hockey team and whether skiing should be allowed at Garrison Hill, including the construction of a ski jump. Many in the community had also determined there was a need for a dedicated rink for community ice skating. These efforts would eventually lead to a ski jump and park at Garrison Hill, A rope tow allowed people to ski down Garrison Hill and catch the rope tow back to the, quote, summit. The ski area would close later in the 1960s. For many years, there was a public skating rink located in what is now the parking lot behind the public library. That rink would eventually close to make way for parking, but the Dover Ice Arena opened in the 1970s and offered ice skating under a roof. The original ice arena was nothing more than a sheet of ice under a metal roof and surrounded by a chain-link fence. 
The ice arena's popularity, though, especially for area hockey teams and leagues, would only grow. By the 1980s, walls and a locker room were added to the arena. This week, in 1999, a study was released that found sufficient demand to support a second ice rink at the Dover Arena. The city council had previously tabled a decision on a $3 million expansion project as part of the Capital Improvements Program, requesting more information about the need for a second sheet of ice. The study, by VSC Sports Consultants, completed Phase 1 of a study spearheaded by the Arena Commission and the Recreation Department. A workshop on the issue was planned for May of that year. By the next year, in 2000, the construction of a new rink was underway. The new Holt Rink was named after former UNH men's hockey coach Charles Holt. The $4.2 million project, which also included a complete reconstruction of the Robert H. Foster Rink, was completed in 2001. Today, the ice arena remains in demand, but not just in the winter. You'll find hockey games, ice skating, and even the popular rock night all year round. Thanks for listening to the Dover Download this week. If you like what you heard, subscribe through your favorite podcast aggregator. And if you have something you want to hear a topic on, let us know. Finally, this is just one of the many ways we share information about the city of Dover. You can subscribe to the Dover Download's email newsletter every week or other newsletters that we have by going to the City of Dover homepage, www.dover.nh.gov. Have a great week. Have a great week.